Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 6, if you would. We're in Daniel chapter 6 this morning. We're going to be looking at what is uh, maybe one of the most famous Bible passages. Uh, and it's probably one that if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard before. And so I'm going to try to help us see what's very familiar and maybe an unfamiliar way, uh, a little different of a way this morning. And so we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, and gosh, wouldn't it be great if someone said that, we serve God continually, may he deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, and then nothing, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Let's pause there. Okay, so uh, this past week, uh, I had the privilege of traveling to Dallas with a bunch of our pastors and elders for the national gathering of our denomination. It's called ECO is our denomination, and that's us in Highland Park Presbyterian Church there in Dallas uh, worshiping together and, and got to spend a few days there. And we went down, most of us on Monday, and we're going to stay through the week and do different conference things and connect with people. And uh, as we were there early in the week, we started to see the forecast for later in the week, the weather forecast, and people started to get nervous. And so a lot of our staff and elders got nervous and they started to book their flights early. They changed so they could book on Wednesday, get out of town before the snowstorm. Well, I lived in Dallas for six years and I know that Texans famously overreact uh, to bad weather. And so I was like, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, and on top of that, on top of that, uh, I just think it's a hassle to have to change flights and change rental cars and check out early and my room wasn't packed up and I had some other stuff I was working on and so I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not deal with all this right now. And I thought, I'll just take my chances, I'll fly out on Thursday as, as I would have anyways and instead I ended up flying out on Friday because our flights got canceled and rescheduled like four times and the weather was terrible and we barely made it to the airport on very icy roads with Texas drivers that do not know how to drive in snow and ice. And uh, what I did was, you might say I took the path of least resistance. I took the path, it was easiest to not worry about changing flights, to not pack my room early, to not have to rearrange things. I took the path of least resistance. It did not work out so well for me. It was easy in the moment. It was easier to do it in the moment, but in the end, it didn't work out. And I wonder about us. I wonder if we are taking the path of least resistance in our lives and in our relationship with Jesus, and if it's becoming something that is easy in the moment, but does not help us, in fact, maybe hurts us down the road. Are you taking the path of least resistance when it comes to your life and your faith, and it's going to end up leading you away from Jesus and not towards him? Today, I want to encourage us to learn what it looks like to seek the faithfulness of God rather than settling for the path of least resistance, to seek God's faithfulness and what it might mean for us, what our lives might look like in light of God's faithfulness rather than settling for a life apart from him. I love that Pastor Erwin uh, McManus says that average is always a safe choice and it is the most dangerous choice you can make. See, Daniel is in the lion's den because he does not choose average. 
He's in the lion's den because he does not choose an easy life. He does not choose the path of least resistance because Daniel knows that an easy life, an easy life without God is a worthless life. An easy life without God is a worthless life. In fact, he ends up thrown into the lion's den because he has been living faithfully with God. And as he's lived, he's over 70 years old at this point. He's lived in the Babylonian Empire most of his life. And he continues to get like promoted in, in government. And he gets promoted. And native Babylonians, they're so jealous of Daniel, this foreign man who came here as a teenager. He keeps getting these like privileged plum positions in the government. And they're so like jealous of him that they decide to set a trap. And what they know about Daniel is that Daniel, the one who continually seeks his God, that Daniel prays three times a day. And so they figure out to trap him. They go to the king and they say, King, you're so awesome. Everyone should just praise you. Let's make a law that for the next 30 days, for the next month, if anybody prays to someone other than you, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And the king thinks, that sounds pretty good. I like getting praised. I like people loving me. So I'm going to say yes to that. And then we see the accusation that they then bring to the king. Go back to verse 13. Then they, these government officials, they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Verse 15, then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians. And so the Medes and the Persians were the empire that had conquered Babylon. They were running the thing. The Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Let's stop right there. So as you read Daniel 6, there's, there's a rhythm that starts to happen. It's, it's like a low simmering noise in the background. It's like when, when a song gets stuck in your head, or maybe it's like elevator music or, or on hold music or like ice cream truck music. It's like that just low like music that plays. It's repetitive. It's over and over and over. In fact, when you start reading, you can go back to verse three and move forward. You start seeing the beginning of every verse like this. Then this Daniel, then the high officials, then these men, then they came, then they answered, then the king, then these men, then they commanded, then the king. What is happening in this story. And we've seen this before. If you were with us in the fall, we looked at Daniel chapter three. If you've not read that, go back and read it later. It's an amazing story. But the same thing happens. There's a rhythm to it. And Daniel three, the fiery furnace story, and Daniel six, the lion's den, are very similar stories on purpose. Because what they're showing is that while you're trying to seek God, there's always the noise and the promises and the drumbeat of culture hanging out in the background showing you the way to a good life. It's how, it's how any dominant culture works. It's not like a boogeyman that's going to jump out and try to squash you with just one big fatal blow. No, no, no. It's much more subtle than that. It's just the daily noise, the daily temptation to raise the white flag, to take the easy way out, to choose the path of least resistance. Choose what's easy. Choose what's easy. Choose what's easy. Let me show you how this looks. It is way easier. This is true for my life. It's probably true for yours. It's way easier for me to scroll 
social media than it is to read my Bible. Why? Because it's always there. It's always calling me. It doesn't do anything big, wild, and outlandish. It's just always ready for me. I might miss something if I don't keep scrolling. It's way easier for me to buy something to try to impress my neighbor than it is to get to know and pray for my neighbor. It's way easier to ignore injustice happening in our city because it doesn't affect me personally than it is to risk and to sacrifice so that those who are living under oppression might know freedom. It's easy. It's easy, and that's why we choose it every time. Don't miss this. When we settle for the path of least resistance, we're settling for a faith that does not make a difference in our lives. When we settle for the path of least resistance, we're settling for a faith that doesn't make a difference in the world because it backs off anytime it's uncomfortable or inconvenient or unproductive or limits us in any worldly sense. We back off. But the thing is, when we take the path of least resistance, we're giving up what God might have for us. But when we choose a different path, we might bear the brunt of what the world will throw at us, but we also open ourselves to receive what God might have for us. Let's pick back, in, <clears throat> pick back up in verse 19. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Pause right there. Can we talk about the king for a minute? What is going on? The king is actively rooting against his own, his own law. The most powerful man in the most powerful empire on earth is actively rooting against his own law. This is bizarre. I think what we see is that there are these systems in the world. They're just the way that things are. And it seems unchangeable. It seems like all the weight is stacked in their direction, that things are unchangeable, that there are unchangeable systems. And even the king is caught up in the system. Even the king can't change it. It's like we are doomed to accept, here's your fate. Here's how things are. There's no reason to resist. The world has all the power. Here's your fate. Here's what you're doomed to. But is that all there is? Is that what we're doomed to? Is the unchangeable system that bears down on all of us, is it in control of our lives? Let's look in Daniel 6, 21. Pick up in verse 21. And we'll see that there's another fate possible. Then Daniel, from the dead, from the lion's den, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Stop there. 
The unchangeable system didn't have the last word after all. It wasn't so unchangeable, was it, right? And if you're an exile, if you're a Jewish exile in Babylon for decades, this is great hope. Because exile feels so permanent, it feels so unchangeable, it feels so powerless to be in exile, and yet what we see is it's not as powerful as you might think it is. This is good news. It's good news that God offers hope. God offers hope for all of those who are stuck in unchangeable systems of sin and brokenness and oppression. God offers hope for all of us when we're faced with the onslaught of pressure to take the path of least resistance. God offers us freedom from the drumbeat, and that freedom, his name is Jesus. And if you noticed, there are certain similarities between Daniel 6 and a story that happens 500 years later in the city of Jerusalem. You may have noticed that there was a conspiracy by government officials to indict someone over power. There's an anxious ruler who helplessly condemns an innocent man. There's a hero of the story whose eyes are fixed, who's accepted his fate. An innocent man is sentenced to death and suffers for his obedience to God. The tomb is sealed with a stone. And early the next morning, there's rushing to the tomb where they find that death does not have the final word. Daniel is alive. Daniel is alive. The drumbeat of the world does not win. And Jesus is alive. And so the drumbeat of the world does not have control of our fate. It does not determine our present or our destiny. Only Jesus defines us. You are not out of control in some unchangeable system condemned to a fate that is unchangeable because Jesus steps into history and dies on the cross and rises from the dead to offer you a different fate, a different future, and therefore a different present. God is the one in control of our fate, not us and not the culture we find ourselves in. Friends, we all get, we all get tempted to neglect our faith by settling for the convenience of the world. And so when you are tempted to settle for the path of least resistance, I want you to be prepared. Because we don't need to prepare when the crisis strikes or when the moment happens, when the challenge, temptation comes. We need to prepare now. I think the thing is, we can look at Daniel And we can believe that Daniel was just this like heroically gifted human that we could never measure up to. But the thing was, Daniel was prepared for that moment. In fact, Pastor Andy Stanley says, past boldness is no assurance of future boldness. Boldness demands continual reliance on the Spirit. To live boldly, to say no to the path of least resistance doesn't mean going to Jesus once. It means that we live there. It means that we trust in him daily, that we seek him and his faithfulness constantly, that we live continually at the well of what Jesus gives us. This is what Daniel knew. So let's go back to verse 10. This is the last verse we'll look at in this passage. And I think it's the key to the whole thing. 
When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that the law had been passed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. I think sometimes the image that we get on the news or on social media is that to be a to stand up for your faith in the world is to be one of those bold culture warriors that shows every other person that disagrees with you just how ridiculous and dumb they are, how wrong they are, right? We, we fight for the name of Jesus, but that's not what Daniel does here. What does Daniel do? He prays. He goes and he does what he's always done. He seeks God's faithfulness in prayer. Prayer was how he resisted the path of least resistance. And we're told he prays towards Jerusalem. And why does that matter? Because he wanted Jerusalem to get into him. He wanted God, Yahweh, to get into him. He wanted Yahweh to get into his vocation, into his life. He wanted God to get into the city of Babylon where he could do what only he can do. Prayer is a weapon of resistance. And when we pray, when we seek God consistently, we're ingraining in ourselves. We're getting Jesus into our lives and into our vocation and into our cities to seek God in prayer to seek his faithfulness is to use the weapon of resistance against the path of least resistance. Seek the faithfulness of God rather than settling for the path of least resistance. Seek God. Don't settle for anything less. Seek, do not settle. Friends, I'm gonna invite the band to come back up as we head towards communion. I, um, I told you earlier that we had gone to, to Dallas to be a part of the national gathering for our denomination. And I, I just wanted to close the sermon by giving you a couple of words that, um, that have stuck with me since that time. And um, what was really meaningful about this is um, we, had, we didn't meet last year. Uh, February 2020 was the last time we met together in person as a denomination. And um, it was just a joy to see people that we hadn't seen in, in two years and get to spend time together and worship together. And um, we heard from just some absolutely world-class speakers um, like Rich Velotis and Danielle Strickland and Walter Kim, who is the president of the National Association of Evangelicals and, and lots of others. And, and what was interesting was it was like the same theme kept coming up. If we heard 10 messages over the course of two and a half days, the same theme kept coming up. And that is for the church to be the church going forward it's all about Jesus, that we need to abide in and rest in Jesus. That was the word that kept bubbling up, and I got so excited because that's who we are. That's our heartbeat here at CPC. At least that's, that's the hope, is that our heartbeat is Jesus. Our heartbeat is that he makes a difference in our lives and that we keep coming back to him over and over, no matter what's going on in our lives, the world, that we keep coming back to Jesus, that the way forward as a church is wherever Jesus takes us. So let's, let's stay close to him. But the second thing that, uh, that stuck with me from this past weekend was, if you see the picture again real fast, um, this, is, uh, from, this is from Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning, 9 a.m., gathered in this sanctuary, and it was the very first session. So everyone gets in that room, a worship band gets up and starts leading us in a song. And within seconds, 
hands are in the air and people are crying and it's like, you just can't imagine what it's like to go two years without getting to worship with people that you love and care for and know so well, right? There was a holy joy, something special happening in the room because we could, could be together and worship the God who loves us so much. And I was reminded that's for us too, that we need each other, that there's joy in being able to gather and pay attention to what Christ is doing in our midst, that there's joy in being able to worship and celebrate who God is and what he's done for us, that there's joy in being together, that we need each other. We need each other. And the way forward is with Jesus, together. And there's something powerful that's possible we worship a God. This is what he's known for. He's known for parting the Red Sea and walking through the fiery furnace. He's known for shutting the mouths of lions and bringing dead armies back to life. He's known for bringing a dead man back from the grave, for overcoming death and crucifixion and bringing Jesus back to life, which changes everything for us. That's the God we follow. That's the power we have within us as a church. Let's not settle for anything less. The band's gonna lead us in a song. There's gonna be a question on the screen asking you to reflect on where you need God's faithfulness in your life. And um, we'll take communion after this song. And so those of you at home, maybe prepare your communion elements. If you're in the room and you need communion, get an usher's attention. Let's hear the band lead us in this song.